Hey, have you ever wanted to create your own podcast and share your own light bulb moments with the world? If so, now is the perfect time to do so because audio is the future of the internet and Anchor is a perfect place to do it. So Anchor is a podcasting platform you can find at anchor.fm and it's what we use to create the Lightbulb Moment podcast. So Anchor is amazing because first of all, it's completely free to use. Yep, completely free. And there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. So I've used Anchor to record with other guests on a mobile app, and you can also edit on your computer. And Anchor will distribute your podcast for you across so many platforms. So Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all the other major podcast streaming sites. So you don't have to set up individual accounts and try to distribute to all of those places. And you can also make money from your podcast with no minimum subscribers needed. And it's basically everything you need to record, edit, and publish your podcast in one place all for free. So I highly encourage you to download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Good luck. Hi there, my name is Ganika Pinham. And I'm Farika Pinham. We're sisters and the co-founders of Ida. If you're an entrepreneur or a new and upcoming brand, discover customer and audience insights about your product niche at thinkida.com because we are where your customers are. As founders of Ida, we've immersed ourselves in the startup world and become obsessed with all things entrepreneurship. We've learned a lot along the way and still are. And now we want to share that with you, our listeners. Whether you're already a savvy business owner, just getting started, or an aspiring entrepreneur, you are in the right place. Join us as we journey through the ahas, the oh no's, the why me's, the ups and downs, and those serendipitous moments when something clicks and it all falls into place. Welcome to the Lightbulb Moment Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Lightbulb Moment Podcast. Today, we have Gary Miller, Jeff Burstein, and Simon Holtzapfel, who are people that I've met through my journey with entrepreneurship. And over the past year and a half, I've really gotten to know um, Simon through working on the Ida app and also working with these other students on their app and also met Jeff and Gary through Simon. And these are amazing people that are doing incredible things for entrepreneurship. And I'm really, really excited to have this conversation with them. So a little bit of background on each of them. Simon is an agile coach, educator, and fun hog. <laughs> so he used to run a boarding school and now coaches teams in agile patterns and practices. Gary is an agile transformation consultant and lean process engineer. And Jeff is the founder of leaf.org, which is a learning educational agile framework. And he brings the mindset of agility and lean thinking from the classroom to the boardroom. So these are all people that are super, super well-versed in the agile mindset and frameworks and, you know, working with students and in classrooms all the way up to enterprise level. So I think we have a lot to learn here and I'm so grateful to have this conversation. Uh, welcome, um, Simon, Gary and Jeff to the show. Thank you thank so you much. Thank you. Great, great thank to be you here. very much. Yeah, Pleasure thank you for being here. Um, I would love to kick this off with each of you describing um, kind of your background and how you got into this, what you're doing right now, like the agile frameworks and coaching and all of that great stuff. 
I think I should go last because Jeff and Gary have much more experience than I do. So okay, perfect. <laughs> All right. Well, then I will go ahead and go. Uh, so I, I started out actually doing uh, agile transformation work probably about eighteen years ago, working in uh, small and mid-sized companies, uh, mostly because I was a terrible project manager. Um, and it, it really, most of the work of project management didn't make sense to me. Um, and so I started pursuing, uh, more and more opportunities to help organizations bring the, you know, agile mindset and lean system thinking into the way that they think about how they deliver value back to their customers. Uh, you know, fast forward to the beginning of the pandemic, and I've been doing that work in Fortune 500 and uh, you know, government sector now, and saw that there was a real need in the education sector to provide schools with the same mechanism to pivot based upon the context under which they're having to operate. And that was really the birth of leaf.org. We got together with a group of people and started exploring how we could distill the various uh, scaling frameworks, delivering methodologies into a simple and easily consumable uh, framework that we could start bringing to educators and into the classroom for students. Well, wow, that's pretty cool, Jeff. Um, uh, my name is Gary. I guess I'll go next. I too, like Jeff, started off as a project manager, uh, and over my my experience of, of helping to remove like the impediments for the teams I was working with, I found out that there was just a really growing disconnect between you know as a project manager providing these status updates to leadership, but still having to go all the way down to the bottom of the organization to find out what's really happening from the folks doing the work. And um, you know, one troubled project, you know, too many. Um, the organization I was with brought in a small team of consultants that wanted to sit next to each other and go to lunch together and, and share the same laptop. They didn't want their own offices and they really were tight knit and come to find out they were doing this really cool thing called, you know, extreme pro programming and pair programming and scrum. And they had great results and they had, you know, you know, great dynamics. And I think that the rest is history. I, you know, I found out what they were doing, got started on my agile journey. And I think, you know, 12 years later, I, I focus on, you know, Agile being the, the main way, the only way to have, you know, a self-organizing team that has, that owns their results, that owns their success, the outcome of the product. Uh, it's just been a great transformation for me. So I feel like it's a service just to um, evangelize, you know, that message to the world of, hey, if you want to fix something, try an Agile mindset and then any one of the frameworks can help. So I'm just happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Great intros, both of you. Uh, definitely want to ask you more questions about that. Um, and Simon, we can go ahead and introduce yourself, please. Sure. And can I then transition into how I met Jeff and Gary? Of course, of course. Definitely want to hear that story. Um, so for me, I learned about Agile um, through a guy that Gary knows named Kurt. Um, and I was running a small boarding school in the Berkshires, um, 60 people, $6 million budget. Um, and I was just new to how to make an organization work. And so... Um, I was just banging my head against the wall in a bunch of different directions. And Kurt was like, oh, you should talk to Gary. He can help. Um, and he did. So Gary helped me sort of bring agile um, patterns to the school. Um, and then I had a chance to actually do sort of more agility stuff outside the school than in it. Um, and in that process, joined the Boston University Agile Innovation Lab, where I met Jeff. Um, the BU Agile Lab is this cool kind of consortium of people. 
Um, but in any case, so Jeff, um, what I found is the things I was trying to do, Jeff had already done. Um, and so we're just like excited because between Gary and Jeff, the stuff we wanted to do in education entrepreneurship was like three Lego pieces kind of locking together. Awesome. Well, and it seems like a lot of what you guys do overlap, but you each kind of had your own beginnings in this. And, you know, now that you're here where you are, um, I want to know more about how have you been able to transition from maybe like a job role because you were, you know, started out as project managers or Simon, in your case, you were running this boarding school into now being your own consultants or having to evangelize this framework and find your own clients. I'm really curious about like how you go about finding these enterprise clients or, you know, educational clients. You know, we really talk, we really talk in the industry. Um, one of the the leading transformation frameworks is is a scaled agile or, or safe. And in some of the documents there, they talk about the, the the single most important thing you can do at the beginning is to start off with a coalition of the willing, a coalition of the willing of folks with like mindset, the folks that are focused on change, that you know see a problem and and aren't stuck in admiration, are actually interested in moving forward. Uh, Simon and I just actually gave a presentation at the BU. Agile Innovation Lab about you know team agreements and it's about getting around people who are going to have an, uh, a bias for action and moving forward. So just going back to that coalition of the willing, um, it, how did we transition from you know being employees or working our day job? It's really noticing the folks that are doing the work on the left and the right of you, and then you know at, at lunch break, at coffee break, hey, is is there a better way we can do this? You know, is there something else that I could have done better? Or using another technique we talk about is double loop feedback. Hey, I did this action. I noticed your response. This was my intent. How did you view that? And we'll know if we look into, you know, the agile mindset and, and the framework of Scrum, that's called a retrospective. So when you when you notice people who take the, the respect of their personal relationships with you and then, you know, bring up opportunities for you to improve or them to improve and they have that retrospective, well, right there, they're doing one of the values of courage, right? And transparency to come talk to you and say, how can we make this thing better for all of us? And that's where you build your coalition. So if you're looking for how to get started and who you want to open a business with, it's, it's who's giving you the honesty and the transparency of just your normal day-to-day interactions. And that's how you build a successful business relationship. And then the rest of that, not to be cliche, it scales from there. So starting off with the folks that respect you and you respect them and you have an admiration for what you all are doing, and then you go, you come together and, and build that platform of the willing and you can grow. Yeah. And as far as, you know, finding new, new, new clients you know, for, I, b- I believe there's, you know, it, at least my experience has been that there's a lot of the networking and it's that same networking that we're, you know, looking to bring into organizations with the intent of allowing the, you know, maximizing the, the, the flow of value. So, you know, I, I get a lot of word of mouth, a lot of rec- a lot of uh, recommendations for 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 new customers. Um, but you know, I, I actually come from a uh, an entrepreneurial background. I did startups right out of college and and didn't spend too much time in corporate America for myself before I realized I wasn't actually a, a very good fit because of all the rules and structures that it actually uh, it contained. And so that kind of pushed me back towards finding something where I could still go ahead and interact with corporate America and deliver value in that space, but still not be subject to, uh, you know, its rules and, uh, and, and necessary governance structure, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, totally makes sense. Great um, answers and well put, both of you. And Simon, I was wondering if you have any insights there to add. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think I would. I wouldn't. Uh, I might connect something that Jeff and Gary just said. Um, you know, the, the thing. So, as an agile coach, the thing that you can do is help. You know, any group of humans deliver value better. That's pretty much what you're there to do. Um, and so, if you walk around the world thinking, "Where can I be useful to you know groups of people?" Um, and you just focus on bringing value to the conversation. Um, talk about the problems that you like to solve. Talk about, you know, just the stuff that you're interested in. Um, you know, then you're on your way. But frankly, a lot of it is just cold calling. I mean, I just do a lot of reaching out to people. Um, and it's like, they're just like sit-ups. Like you just got to do your reps of reaching out to your network. Um, you know, f figuring out ways to, to deliver value to people who have problems that, you know, that are out there. Like Jeff and I started working with a Nativity Miguel coalition um, through a friend. And he was talking about the, you know, the stuff he was doing with them. Jeff and I were like, ah, you know, would they be interested in learning how to bring these sort of faster moving ways um, to their execution of their strategy? And we got on the phone with the executive director and talked with him about it. And you know, demoed what we were talking about. So it wasn't just words. Um, you know, that's kind of how you do it. Yeah, totally. Well, thank you. Um, I like asking that question because I think a lot of people struggle with sales, especially if it's B2B. So um, all of you have great expertise in that. So thank you for answering. Sure. Well, so here's the thing. I mean, just <laughs> if you think you're in sales, you're confused because you should never see your customer as a sales target. Oh, yeah. Your customer is someone that you're deliberately trying to partner with and collaborate with to improve value flow as they define it. If you think you're doing sales, then you're not really out there to collaborate with people. And agility is about collaborating fundamentally. Yeah, that's great. That's a great perspective. Thank you. Yeah. So like, it doesn't feel like, so when I say cold calling, I'm not like actually literally cold calling anyone. I'm just reaching out through the network of people I know and, you know, and I'm just listening for people doing cool stuff or having problems, yeah. you know, frustrated with something. Yeah, super, super insightful. I love that. If you think you're in sales, you're confused. <laughs> well, like, who, who, who welcomes salespeople to their door? Not me. Yeah. Jeff, Gary, I mean, what do you guys think? No, I, I, you know, sales, while I did start my career literally right out of college in sales, I think I lasted all of six months, you know, before I realized that if I have to convince you that you want what I have, I don't have the solution for you. Right. Like I need to hear what your problem is first so that I can understand whether or not I can actually help you and then say, well, do you think you might find this helpful? And then really it's about having the people pull that solution to themselves. Right. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's it's sales transformation in what we do as much as about sales, as much as status meetings are about project success. And I, I do think mm -hmm. it's well-intentioned you know, tell me what's going on. I want to be present. I want to know these things. Um, but really, you we're transitioning away from the waterfall status into the agile mindset of let's have an invitation to a conversation, right? That's what we talk about the three C's of a user story, card, conversation, confirmation. So the sales is kind of the status report, if you will, of what really should be solution delivery. We should be asking ourselves on this sales call, can we have a conversation about what's, what's, what's not working so well? 
what is working well, and then my product can help you do something differently or help you reach this need. So it really is a built-in transition into more collaborative problem solving rather than a one-sided sales approach. Very well said, Gary. Yes, impactful. Um, Great. Well, it seems like throughout these conversations so far, we have touched a a little bit on Agile. So I'd love for you all to explain um, the Agile framework to our audience, because I think a lot of people don't know that. And I personally didn't either until I attended a workshop that Simon hosted. So, you know, we touched a little bit on the retrospect and, you know, Gary just mentioned um, the project success meetings. And, you know, we earlier someone mentioned about you know, Scrum and pair programming and all of that. So I'd love for us to break it down into a framework that maybe listeners can follow and apply to their own startup. Sure. I, you know, I, I will generally tell my customers that, you know, Agile is a, it's a mindset under which you have a series of frameworks, methodologies, you have tools and practices, skills, um, you also have certifications and books and all those things fall under the mindset. And so understanding that from the beginning, it's really, okay, so what is the agile mindset? And it really does align very well with, um, you know, the growth oriented mindset, you know, the understanding that we may not have all the answers, but what we have is a means to experiment our way towards incremental improvement, you know, as we iterate and increment our way towards, you know, a more idealized state, whether it's a particular, you know, particular condition or a particular piece of value that we're looking to, to deliver over time. Um, you know, and, and it does consist of a lot of, you know, of the popular methodologies and, you know, so you talk about things like Scrum and paired programming and mob programming or the, the, the various methodologies for actually delivering of value. Yeah, absolutely. I like where you started with that, that it's a mindset of wanting to improve. Um, so if someone were to um, bring this to their startup, you know, they want to change the way their startup's working and kind of make it more agile. What are the steps that they would take or implement? within their teams? Um, I think, I think Rico, just in terms of your listeners, um, I would want to point them to a couple of things um, and we can put those into their show notes. Like the Agile Manifesto, I think is important to read because like a mindset um, is a set of practices, but we learn about three words from other people or that, that we read. And, you know, the Agile Manifesto is 20 years old and it's, it's worth checking in with. Um, you know, to your to your question of like, where do you start? Um, you start by making learning safe. If you can't make a safe learning environment where you can make mistakes, honest mistakes and learn from them, you're never going to get to agility without that sort of trust and safety. So to me, it's about a good working agreement um, where you spell out, you know, how people are going to treat each other and committing to make the work visible. And when you can do those things, you can create the safety that lets the agility mindset flow, not only out of, like within one's own head, but through and with other people. Um, but, but, you know, like you, you should read that. You should, you know, there's a, there was a good, um, I can't remember, it was Agile Alliance or Agile Uprising did this great podcast series, the 12 Days of Agile around the, around the holidays. Um, and it goes through each of the 12, you know, each of the 12 uh, principles and the four values. And that's, I just think that's, those are useful things beyond whatever um, Wisdom Gary and Jeff have to say as, as longer time practitioners than I am. Great. Thank you. I will definitely add those into the show notes, the Agile Manifesto and the 12 Days of Agile podcast. 
And someone touched on user stories a little bit earlier. So I wanted to go to that because I remember um, that really helped transform the way that we were working on our teams with Ida. And Simon, what you just said too about the trust and visibility is really, really important. Mm. Uh, and having that team structure laid out because the team needs to feel comfortable communicating. And although these things seem like minor improvements, like to listeners, these are going to make huge differences because I noticed that with the student team we were working at, with and with my own team, that when you were able to let people communicate, honestly say what went wrong or ask for help, it really, really made a huge difference. And writing user stories also made a really big difference. So I will link in the footnotes some resources about how to write user stories and why they're so important. But I would say that's probably a pretty big part of this as well. Would you guys agree and have anything to add to that? Yeah, it, absolutely. And Scrum, Scrum is, it has three three tenets or it's built on three pillars, transparency, inspect, and adapt. And what we talk about when we bring new folks into the, the Scrum conversation is that this is all about smaller, more frequent, higher quality interactions. You know, think of it as like the, the pixels of progress. And, you know, you might have a, a brush stroke or a, a pen stroke, or you might be, you know, doing dot graphics. It's just all of those pixels add up to the entire picture. And if you broke down the picture that you think is beautiful, i.e. the definition of done or the release or whatever the product you're after, when you look back over a successful team, be it sports or business, it was a lot of small successful interactions. It was showing up to practice on time, showing up to meetings on time, emailing things when you said you would email them, you know, getting the spelling right. It was all these small interactions which added up to it to a big success. You don't, you're not just a, a success at the end. The release isn't just all of this effort towards a big release. It's small, consistent, iterative base. You know, we're getting into the Scrum framework, right? Small, consistent time box every two week, small progress that builds over, you know, three months or six months or a year into this, this customer release of success, into this interaction of success. So going back to the three pillars, transparency, inspect, and adapt. What is a user story, but a, a transparent statement of need, the converse, that's the, the card, the conversation is the, in, the inspect, and then the confirmation is the adapt. That's where we say, okay, based off of my new knowledge after talking to you, this is how I'm going to adapt my plan. This is the plan we're going to move forward. Because before you talked to me, I was going to deliver X. Now I need to see, I need X plus Y and Z in order to have a, a successful interaction. That's basic. That, that is what Scrum is about. That is the essential um, purpose of why we do this. Small, clear, transparent interactions that allow us to get our needs met. And if we do that enough times, we'll have a successful release, enough successful releases, we have a successful product. And then going back to that sales call, we have successful products, happy customer. And now we have a transformation. Now we have a relationship because I've been meeting your needs consistently, saying what I'm going to do, doing what I'm saying, and then showing it consistently. That is the goal of, of, of the, the framework. Yeah, and just to add on to you know what Gary very eloquently stated, the, the user story is, is really going ahead and putting the team in this space where we no longer expect them to, A, have all the answers up front, to know everything in advance. And it really does pay respect to the fact that hey, sometimes things are just going to develop as we learn more about them on the way, right? And so to Gary's point, by building them in these small, small little stories and kind of, you know, turning the way that requirements for whatever work any entrepreneur, any small business or any startup is going to do, and you think about your work, you don't have to think about having the entire solution up front. 
you think about your small little next steps as you work your way towards that, that the way Gary stated, that minimal viable or that minimal testable product that now you can hand over to your customer to start to get feedback. And, and to the point that Simon had made is we're now going to collaborate with our customer to provide them with a better experience. Again, incrementally making small little improvements along the way. Oh my gosh. I love what both of you just said. Like I am feeling so inspired and learning so much. Um, Gary, like what you said about pixel, pixels, <laughs> pixels of progress. And um, Jeff, your comment on, you know, how this drives the user experience and the being able to take that and knowing that you built confidently built a good product will help you, you know, deliver that value in the end sales process that we were talking about earlier. So that is all really, really good stuff. And I'm sure that, you know, reading all these resources that you, um, Simon, that you've mentioned as well will really help solidify for listeners on what this is all about. But for me, the big takeaway there was to focus on the day-to-day and the week-to-week instead of just this big release. Because even in a book I was reading recently, The Startup Owner's Manual um, by Steve Blank, you know, they were talking about companies that have failed because they focus so much on this big release date that they don't even notice the warning signs along the path. So that's really, really well said. Um, So yeah, um, thank you for that summary on the Agile framework. And I would love to talk here as we're um, moving on into what's next for you all. I'm sure that you have some exciting projects up your sleeve. So I'd love to know more about what you're working on and how you're bringing your own Agile framework to this next project that you're working on. Sure. Well, you know, so, well, thank you for that. And so we're actually, the way we're moving forward is actually in, in collaboration. We are working with a, a broader group of which uh, TEP, Gary and uh, Simon are, are an integral part of uh, in this broader collaboration for education where we're focusing on you know, bringing together each of our skills and specialties and, and putting them together into a prepackaged, scalable uh, you know, repeatable process that we can take students and young entrepreneurs through, giving them a, you know, kind of a quick start or a leg up or, a, you know, some sort of advantage that they traditionally would not have had access to so that, you know, they can help fill a need maybe in their community that, uh, you know, otherwise wouldn't get met. Um, in addition to that, we are working now on uh, student certifications so that, you know, high school students, uh, college students, and even elementary students who are looking to build and kind of, you know, improve and enhance their digital portfolios as they make their way onto higher education and beyond. Um, we're going to be offering, uh, you know, student certifications in, in Kanban. Uh, lean and uh, improvement kata from a scientific uh, problem-solving approach to uh, basically changing your condition as you work your way towards a more improved state or condition. And briefly, to uh, you know, for the people in your audience who um, you know are would like a different. Uh, way to formulate what Jeff just said. You know, essentially, Gary and Jeff have been doing this with executives for decades. Um, and when the three of us got together, we were like, wait a minute, younger people can learn these things too. This agile mindset is not just for people who are in the labor force. And in fact, 
<laughs> Gary and Jeff spend lots of time teaching people already in the labor force how to adopt this mindset. And we were like, wait a minute, we should just move upstream in this process, bring the mindset to younger people before they get to the workforce. So that when they get to the workforce, they're like the value added people. Um, because there's no age limit on this mindset. I mean, well, there is like, we're not talking about like, we're not talking about kindergartners, but, um, this mindset is, is really critical. Um, you know, I bring these things into my own kid's life, my daughter, my son. Um, I know that's true for Jeff. So like the agile mindset, it's a thing, the patterns you practice in different contexts, businesses, schools, whatever, but the mindset, you know, is visible. And so what Jeff has done now, Jeff, I'm just going to say this, like Jeff was like, okay, I'm just going to take the stuff that happens in fortune 500 companies, you know, get that learning environment calibrated down to people who are younger and in entrepreneurship space and just, you know, make it available at low cost because the distribution of opportunity is the thing that's screwing up our country the most right now. Or at least that's what I, that's what I believe. And so that's why I like to collaborate with Jeff. Cause he's like, yeah, we know we can bring this to schools. This is not magic. There's no wizardry. This is making the work visible for people before they get to the workforce to just to, you know, to help them out. Um, so that's kind of a different way to say what Jeff said, I think. Jeff, is that okay? <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. I mean, essentially, right, is we want students, you know, to have the same skills and, and practices that are used in the workforce to get work done, to get learning done. And then they'll know how to do it when they enter the exactly. workforce, to get work for it, to get work done, uh, you know. When you think of all what, what, what Jeff and Simon are doing, just, just to tie it to a framework or what is that or why are you motivated? When we say lean agile, this is one of the lean processes we're discussing. And we have the, the six or seven forms of waste. Um, one is, you know, overproduction, you know, making the wrong thing, making it incorrectly. One of the forms of waste or, or muda is, is unnecessary waiting. So when we look at the, the current educational system, you have folks who are available to learn and develop this skill set. But for some reason, we have this unnecessary waiting where we don't teach them until it's too late, until we're asking them to meet the needs of of the customers today without the training. And then we're trying to force them into this or create more frameworks to, to help them meet something that they could have prepared for earlier in their careers. So all we are doing essentially trying to get it down to the smallest parts is removing the unnecessary waiting in the educational process of not giving the benefit of, you know, lean six Sigma and, and scrum certifications and safe certifications that usually or traditionally I didn't get until later on in my career, 15 years in, we can start, offering that to folks during a, a gap year process, you know, between the ages of 18 to 25, or in some sort of controlled learning environment, where I can get this in my undergraduate years if I am going the traditional education route. So we're removing the unnecessary waste or muda of four or five years of being an employee, and we can bring this to you up front so you can practice it and then continue to improve upon it. So when you do graduate from college, or when you do launch your business at 22 or 23 or 25, whatever it is, post high school, you have the benefit of these skills, which have been traditionally uh, you know, withheld until later on in, in, a, in a normal career, you know, 15 years down the line. If you think about it, and, and Gary, you said it perfectly. So there's two interesting numbers to think about. So it's projected that by 2025, industry and government will spend about $63 billion on learning the agile way of doing work. Public schools spend around $760 billion a year. Now, let's just be clear, what we're learning and what we're spending that $63 billion on, it's a duplication of effort. It could have just as easily been taught and covered under that 700 and 
you know, something billion dollars that's already committed without, you know, changing the numbers. And then industry would simply have an extra $63 billion a year. <laughs> I love that. Oh my Lord, I love it when you say it that way. Yeah. Yeah, that was funny and awesome. Great points, all of you. And I really, really love what you're doing because I was able to, you know, get my start through university. And I'm so, so grateful to my university that I went to a university where this was possible. But a lot of universities don't have entrepreneurship programs, you know. So what you're doing is so crucial and starting at a young age is so important because you know, like Simon, you mentioned, instead of just training at that higher level, like make the younger people, the people that are going to fill those roles someday. And I know, Jeff, you said that you've been doing a lot of corporate work as well and training these people. And I just really, really appreciate all the great work that you guys are doing. And I'm so, so excited to see where this is going to go. So, you know, I'll be sure to link to TEP where Gary, you and Simon work and um, leaf.org in the show notes for our listeners. But as we wrap up here, any final thoughts from any of you? And just want to express again how amazing this has been. And thank you for being here. Yeah, for sure. I would just say thank you for having us on. You know, I guess I got to want to pick for Gary or Jeff, but Rika, you know me. I'll come back and talk for as long as you want anytime. <laughs> yes. You've know, you got the calendar because the stuff that we did that summer ago when, you know, getting you started with that app, you know, 200 other people could easily have had that experience. And we'd had 200 you know, other young women entrepreneurs such as yourself, you know, making the sort of progress that you could do. You just needed those blocks removed, like Carrie said. So, you know, we'll come back any, or I'll come back anytime and keep talking because I feel like there's been 30 to 40 other things you could have covered. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, and I'm always happy to come back and talk about the work that we're, we're, we're doing in the education sector. And, and hopefully as we continue to, uh, you know, make inroads to talk about the, the results that we're getting and the results really that the students are producing, because just like any transformation that happens in the business sector as an as a transformation coach, I don't actually do a whole lot of transforming. Um, you know, it's really up to the, the people going through that transformation to take on that, you know, their, take on their willingness to accept change. Right, because they're giving up things that are comfortable and trying things in new ways. And, you know, students definitely have the capacity to do it. And, and, and if they're given the opportunity so far, I think they've shown us, uh, you know, a great resiliency and a willingness to really take ownership over their own education. Yeah, absolutely. And I would love to, you know, have you guys back to talk about that, because I do think the education sector and what you're doing there is so important. And, um, really has made an impact for me as well. And Simon, like you just mentioned, like I didn't think I could make that kind of progress until I was able to implement some of the things that we talked about on today's episode. So really, really awesome conversation. And thank you so much for your time. I know you're all very, very busy people. So I will leave it at that. And listeners, I hope you enjoyed this episode and learned something. And I know you will learn more once you dig into what each of these awesome men are doing. Thank you, Rika. Great. Thanks, Rika. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Want to get a workbook detailing steps you can take for your business today, as well as our top recommendations for entrepreneurs? Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, take a screenshot, and email it to contact at thinkida.com. Thank you for listening to the Lightbulb Moment Podcast. We'll see you here next time.